Welcome to Masters of Self University Podcast, your highest source of sacred truths and universal wisdom. Hello, beautiful souls. I'm Rachel Fiore, mystic, spiritual teacher, psychic healer, and founder of Masters of Self University. Join our journey of soul transformation as we deep dive into this latest episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Masters of Self University podcast. I'm your host, Danny Morley, and today I'm joined by four other mystical life coaches uh, from Masters of Self University uh, who all have children because today we are talking about parents and children of the divine. So for this men's panel, it's our third edition. We're really going to go into what it means to be a parent and have children um, and still do this work from an elevated place. So I just like to invite all the panelists to just introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. I'm Chad Emmerich. I'm a mystical life coach with Master Self University, and I have an eight-year-old son, and I'm also currently working with the family as a nanny for their three-year-old son and seven-year-old daughters. This is a very important topic for me at the moment. Hey, thanks, Chad. Uh, I'm Roger Schultz. I'm a mystical life coach here at Masters of Self. Um, I have a 18-year-old that just graduated, and I also have a 25-year-old who is a uh, police officer here um, locally. So, um, you know, being able to incorporate a lot of these tools and methodologies and how we guide, um, you know, our kids through through the growth process is, uh, has been very special to learn and um, utilize in, in how I show up with my, my boys. Hi, and I'm William Seen. I have a six-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old daughter. Hi, I'm mystical life coach Greg Arbos, and I have a six-year-old son, and I'm really happy to dig in that topic with you guys today. Wonderful. Well, thanks for the intros, gents. And uh, obviously, I am I'm 30 years old, but I do not have kids. So I, I today am really going to play the student. Uh, I think one day I may have them. We'll see. I'm, uh, I'm let going all of my attachment to that happening. And, and if it's in my cards, so be it. Um, but I understand the role, even as a mystical life coach, of understanding how to parent a child. Because the work that we do here at Mist uh, Master of Self University is we learn to actually parent our own inner child. And while I haven't got any experience with a real life child, I really have formed an amazing bond with the enemy. Uh, the enemy normally shows up around five years old and uh, I've formed a really good bond with him, learning how to nurture and give him care and give him what he needs. And the main thing that he tells me is he's just he's angry at the things that he didn't receive when he was a kid. So even though if you're out there and you're listening right now, just because you don't have children or maybe you're not a parent yet, it doesn't mean you can't have a takeaway from this podcast because what all these uh, beautiful gentlemen in front of me are going to offer, you can actually apply to yourself. You can apply this to your own inner child and learn how to better navigate yourself. Um, so Chad, before we were starting this 
uh, this podcast, we were talking backstage and we were talking, you were mentioning the way of patience. So I'd love for you to start off this whole conversation on, on parents and children. Absolutely. What a lesson indeed. I'm sure we've all had this experience as, uh, as parents. Um, the way of patience, as referenced in Mason's Way, the 20 Universal Ways of Oneness, um, is a difficult lesson if you're coming from the old parenting model where I was raised in, where it's simply do what you're told. Um, your emotions don't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. Um, but when you can show up with patience and understanding with your children, and as I said, in my situation, I'm currently um, working as a nanny for a three-year-old boy, <laughs> which is bringing me back to some old memories of um, practicing that patience and bringing that to the present rather than talking about, you know, when I first began the way of patience with my son when he was around four and a half, five years old. So um, I have a challenge currently um, working with um, the way of patience um, in a young child, but practicing that, that's honoring using the way of patience to honor their opinion, hear them out, listen to the whys, listen to the hows, um, and allowing them some freedom with yourself. You need to practice, uh, you know, the boundaries of safety around what they're asking to do or what they're inquiring about, but allowing them that, that freedom and on yourself, you're practicing patience to, to watch it unfold, to allow them to have that experience and to not control or overshadow or bring your own opinion or your own experience to what they're having right now. And I'd love to hear other people's experience in this as well. Yeah, I know for me, learning to be patient with myself is actually one of the, the big things I'm working on right now. Um, I have a, a tendency to just want to just get things done and um, get all the way to the end, especially with my healing journey. And so for me, I've really had to come back to myself and be like, no, no, before you can get to surrender, there's patience first by understanding the ways of oneness and the order that they come in. I have to be patient in order to fully surrender. And uh, I think one of the things for me that was really holding my healing journey back over the last few years was this need um, to get to the finish line and now I'm really starting to sink in and just being patient um, and honoring where I'm at. So I can only imagine what a lesson that must come through with a, a you know, a, a young being that you're guiding, guiding in their, their whole life. Because at that age, whoever their, you know, caregiver is, that's it. They're, they're like God to them. So I'm sure patience is a huge, huge thing. Roger, are you going to? You gonna comment on that? Yeah, no, it's a, definitely appreciate that share, Chad. Resonates a ton, you know, over in this in this space, just from you know, uh, growing up, I, I learned to do everything by force. You know, from my mom to my stepfather, you know, to grandparents, you know, other aunts, uncles, things like that, my other brothers, everything was done through force. You know, to get things done, you forced it through to accomplish a task you forced it if it if it wasn't moving then you found a way to just push the square peg through the round hole um you know so that was a that was a big part of my parenting style was what you were talking about like do as i do as i say you know um your opinions don't matter your voice doesn't matter 
Um, you know, and you know, when my son was about pack 11, 12 or 13, you know, my, my, my beloved Adrian, she just has like, she had this really soft, like her communication style with Robbie was just so beautiful. And I was like, I want to be able to communicate with my son that way. Like there was this huge draw, you know, and there was like, you know, a jealousy to it and envy to it, you know, like, so there was these wounds that were being projected into that space. And that affected my communication style. Robbie had affected my communication style with Adrian. Um, but yeah, a lot of it was just, you know, you're seen, not heard, you know? So again, you know, to Chad's, Chad's expression, like allowing your children to have those emotions, not demonizing them, not making them wrong, not shaming them for how they're feeling. Um, you know, and that's like translated into some of the young kids I work with on the football field, you know, whereas before a young boy um, and now even girls, you know, jumping into the sport, um, which is awesome. You know, they would cry, you know, like something would happen. They would get hit, you know, and, and cry or have an injury or something like that. Um, whereas before my style was very, uh, like in your face, very aggressive, like sh shrug it off, walk it off, like no crying in football none of this. And now it's getting down on their level, meeting them where they're at, allowing them to express the emotion that they're wanting to express, diving into like, why, like what the injury, was it physical? Was it emotional? I mean, a lot of these kids have their parents there and they have these injuries and it's to get attention. Like that's how they know how to get attention from their parents. So having this toolkit that we have, like being able to sit down with them and, and just be present in that moment with them. Like put your arm around them. Like, Hey, it's okay. This is a physical game. Like you need to sit out. Do you need to do something here? Um, versus like get up and walk it off. You know, um, so that's that's yeah, kind of dovetail a little bit off Chad from that side, but uh, but yeah, that's you know, transitioning into this newer, more mystical model of of parenting. I wanted to add there, like the connection that you see. I just envision you speaking to the the children, get down on a knee, looking them in the eye, and being there with them, and what you feel there. I could hear it in your voice, Roger. Like that experience is so much different than the, all right, up and at them, let's go. Bah, bah, bah. It is getting down there and establishing that connection. There's a trust yeah. that gets built. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, Rachel talks about, we talk about like, you know, the divine sacred masculine, there's no judgment. And within that, you know, layer of no judgment, there's safety and security and honor, harmlessness and gentleness. You know, how do you create that, that wrapper for your kids or people that you're coaching or, or children that you're coaching, interacting with to feel heard, to feel safe in expressing, you know, what's going on because nine times out of 10, you know, a kid like football is a physical game. You're going to get nicked. You're going to get scratched. All this type of stuff happens. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's a notion of sitting down, like to your point, Chad, like sitting them on their level, being present and listening. Like nothing else matters in that moment than that connection with that, that young kid to say, you know what, we have 30 other kids out here doing these things. I'm going to hang out here with you, make sure that you're good and that you're seen, you're heard, that you feel safe. And if you don't want to keep playing, then don't keep playing. That's perfectly okay. 
let me know when you're ready to come in and we'll find a spot and we'll get that going for you. And sometimes like football isn't for you and that's okay. You know, parents, dads, it's okay if your kid doesn't want to play football and you want to shove them into the sport. Like surrender to the notion that your kid just may not want to play football. It's perfectly fine. Reminds that reminds me a lot of uh, when I was a kid. Um, I was always been a highly sensitive uh, being, always, and uh, I felt like I had to shove myself into this paradigm of, you know, masculinity of of what I thought it was. And I would try sports like rugby, and I would get absolute. I was so skinny, and I would just get like beaten up a lot, and uh, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Um, but I did it because I felt like I have to. And I felt like if I wasn't doing that kind of thing, then I wasn't a man. And, uh, you know, I didn't play it outside of school. Um, I did play soccer, which is obviously the big, big sport in the UK. But um, I ended up eventually just walking away from it. And, uh, you know, one of the things that it brought up in that, uh, what you said there was no one there like honoring any pain all the teachers in the school it was always like we're doing this and it's gonna you're men and it's, this is the way it's gonna be and it's gonna be rough and it's like well what if I get hurt and then I have to like kind of like deal with that like I'm not the same as all these like big muscly kids who and uh, I can look back now and I just imagine imagine if Roger was my you know my coach in school what a different experience maybe i would have felt more seen and heard and maybe i would have felt more enthused to actually do it because if i was going to get in pain there would have been this elevated being who was going to honor it instead of just dismissing my sensitivities as a child so amazing uh, before we move on from this topic does anyone else have anything they'd like to comment yeah what comes through for me is um patience for yourself as well in these moments. What I've found with myself and my children is um, how I would be approaching them from my own wounding and not having that patience within myself. And then also having an expectation of what I wanted the outcome to be or what I want my child to be doing, how I want my oldest daughter, for example, to um, experience things. And there was a lot of guilt that I went through and shame um, with the contrast between my two daughters. With my, my <clears throat> there's a four year spread between the two. And so my parenting style uh, with my oldest daughter started out with a, from my wounding with a lot of force. And, um, you know, for example, she, she doesn't like to eat much. <laughs> she has a, a bit, of, she's a very picky eater. And, uh, as, uh, energy that she needs to, to strive. And what I realized was um, that I couldn't force her to do anything. And with the more that I tried to force, the uh, more resistance that I received from her. 
And it wasn't until I actually started to step back and honor her for her, her being her own unique human and really just listen to her and get curious about what she's saying. Yeah. Can I add something? Yeah, I'm totally uh, in tune with that because uh, I think the main obstacle in uh, being patient with kids is that they will trigger our own wounds. And so that's very difficult, like to, to keep calm and patient when the kids are actually pressing your button and activating your own wounds. And uh, so that's where the work that we propose here is uh, enters and play a big role in being able to work on your programs and and uh, know what to do when they kick in. And uh, also there is, as William was saying, there is this projecting, like we we think we know how it should be. So we're trying to push the kid into something that most of the time is, is again, some programs also as well. And unconsciously, we're trying to push the kid in our own programming. And um, so, yeah, there is uh, many facets to, to that topic and it's uh, very challenging. And uh, at the same time, um, this is a beautiful, we are training because when we cannot be patient and allow the kid to, to get to know himself, actually what, what end up, it's us being on the way and it end up in a power struggle. Like, okay, the kid feels that way and it's really under a certain age, it's really like there is no breaks to it. It's just the kid is always present, fully present, that we are not. And and actually he has this sense arising from him and we'll go against that, pushing in another direction. So the, it, it makes this power struggle. And actually unconsciously what we're doing is that we train training the kid to get into those, you know, power struggles again and again and again. Oh, you want to go that way? And then this is picked up and we'll go on because when we work on ourselves and on our own child wounds, we'll find a lot of those power struggles where actually I cannot allow myself, it, it became very difficult to allow myself to, to feel all my feelings, to uh, honor what I deeply feel and my tests and my, so yeah, it's end up like us struggling with our own self in the big, like in the letter. And it's like unconsciously we're training the kids to struggle with, what they're feeling and yeah i totally agree and what it what another thing that brings up for me um with patience is communication and being able to communicate with our children where we're at 
and understand that if we're triggered, um, you know, at that point, we are, we are, are raising our children from that, that trigger, the age we are when we're triggered at that point. And so an example for me is with, with my daughter, with my oldest daughter, um, she, because she's 12, she's going out spending a lot of time with, with friends and now going out on weekends and, you know, that's a big deal. Um, and setting a boundary with her was, was a big first step set first setting the boundary. But what I realized was I was setting boundaries with her, but if she did not, um, respect that boundary, I hadn't preset within myself what, um, what her consequence would be. What, what, what would she be doing if she didn't respect that boundary? And so she would come home, for example, maybe late, and I would be acting out from my wounding with her because um, I hadn't communicated within myself what or how I would be approaching a situation. I had had the expectation that the boundary would be set and then it would just be met. And then, so what, what I've ended up doing now and, and with her is we set the boundary and then we communicate what would happen if that boundary is not set, if, if that boundary is not met ahead of time so that we both know there's open communication. And I found that um, with her and doing it that way, number one, she knows what she, what, what could happen if the boundary is not respected, that's been communicated. And secondly, if she doesn't show up on time, for example, or breaks a different boundary, then I'm not, um, trapped as a five or six year old boy trying to parent a 12 year old girl. That's a, a beautiful uh, way of looking at it. That because was, that, that was beautiful, William. Yeah. yeah. Um, for anyone listening that didn't quite understand what William just said, um, when we get triggered, when a wound from our childhood is activated, energetically, we are returning to that age. So when William is triggered by, you know, setting these expectations and he he's back, uh, whatever wound um, that was that was causing it, he's back at this six-year-old self. He's then having to show up as a six-year-old to uh, to to his twelve-year-old daughter, which is extremely obviously difficult. At six, how are you supposed to parent? So, wow, what what a, a beautiful line! Yeah, Thank you amazing. so much. Absolutely, and to recognize the power uh, in yourself and what you give to your child when you can admit to that, like William said, communicating that saying, listen, this is mine and this is what I'm working on. And you make it that you're both working towards these goals to let them know that we are not uh, perfect, that we make mistakes too. These are things that I'm working on. Let's work on this together. I love when I can do that with my son or I mean, it's with anyone, but when with your own child, to admit to a fault or a weakness or something that you want to work on together with them, you're doing it together. Um, it's just, it, it's an amazing experience. And thanks for bringing that up, William. That is, it's beautiful. 
I'd love to ask you uh, you all a question because this um, I've heard this notion before on a podcast and I thought it was excellent. And I believe it was Kyle Kingsbury and he was saying that he was parenting his child and he made a mistake and he basically said to his child, well, what do you think I should do? And his child looked up at him and said, why are you asking me? You're the parent. And he's like, you think I know what I'm doing? You're my first child. I've never done this before. And he said that once he introduced this whole concept of him being a novice parent and to ask him for the advice of how he should be punished or um, what he should do in this situation, said it changed the dynamic of the parent and it allowed the child to start to understand that he's not this godlike, um, perfect human that is not making any mistakes or doesn't have it all together because i think from our children's eye you know we they look up and i did as a child to my parents and starting this work i've had to come to realize oh my parents weren't gods oh okay they they are imperfect just like everyone else uh, and just understanding that has allowed me to bring a lot of compassion to them but has anyone had that experience with their children where they've kind of gone to them and allowed them to see from their point of view yeah there is a sense of uh, vulnerability and authenticity that has to because we we misinterpret the responsibilities of being a parent. So sometimes we want to put on that mask of I'm the parent, you know, and and you have to do as I say, even though I'm not knowing like perfectly what I'm doing. And, uh, and there is this sense of like letting the kid know, like, for example, we were talking about patients, and this is a goal, right? We are not always patients with a with a six-year-old. And time will go like you're stressed out. Time is running by. <laughs> the kid doesn't want to put his shoes, and you know things happening, and you will get triggered at some point. And it's really important, just as everybody was saying, to let the kid know that your emotional uh, triggers are not his fault and his responsibility. And so sometimes some impulse can come up and it's very important to take some time afterwards to say, you know, that is really a uh, challenge right now. And, and he got pissed off, but he's not pissed off because of you. He's, he's be, this is belonging to me, you know, sometimes it's challenging for me as well. And this has nothing to do with you, right, dude? So don't take it personally. You did great, but daddy's pissed off right now. And this has nothing to do with you. It's my stuff, you know? Yeah, thanks, Greg. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, Greg, that that uh, was uh, just put a smile on my face. It was just like a, you know, to dovetail off Danny and, and William and, and the feedback. Like I had this recent scenario with my son, you know, and a situation happened. Adrian and I brought it up to him and he just got super defensive, immediately went on defense. And I'm like, Oh, I see where that's coming from. You know, like you have these like great tools where you can look back and you see the behavior in this particular instance, my son get immediately defensive and you're like, Oh, I used to do that was me. Like, Oh, I know where he learned that from, you know, like, 
how amazing is it now I can sit back, watch it unfold, surrender to his his defensiveness, his his anger, his discomfort. Um, and just like, hey, buddy, I can see that this topic is a little uncomfortable for you. Like, how can like what like what exactly is being triggered in you right now? What's being activated in you right now? Because this is how I used to show up. Like how many times in our um, in our father-son relationship did I show up in the way that you are expressing yourself right now? And just to watch him pause and just go a lot. Like, yeah, buddy, like I am seeing me in you right now. Like, how can we like, like, what is it about this topic? Like, what is it that is bringing you to the state of defensiveness? And do you not feel safe? Do you not feel like, like this, like, like, what is it? Like, what's the push pull? Like, how can I or mom and I guide you through this? Is this something we want that you would want to be guided through? You just want us to listen and do you want to vent? Do you want to raise like, okay, cool. We can do that. Whereas before it was just bare knuckles, pugilistic, like going at it, you know, and it just like that ability to, to see deeply into your children's behavior and to know where it comes from and to go, Oh, this has like, it has, this has everything to do with me and how I parented. And now I can sit back because I've worked through these things into Danny's point, like parenting your inner child, growing and maturing that inner child up to a place where, um, you know, and then to like William, like when we are triggered parenting from a five or six year old inner child, like now through this work, like I can parent from like a whole 46 year old, you know, um, I don't want to say enlightened, um, but elevated. elevated, elevated perspective, you know, so it just creates a much different conversation, creates a much different energy, um, a much more grounded, safe, secure energy for, for in this case, my son to express what he needed to express. Like he wanted to get, def- sure, man, get defensive. If you want to get angry. Yeah. Get angry. Is that what you want to express? Do you need to get that off your chest? Okay, cool. We'll, we'll create the space to do that. And then just sit there and go like, Rob, this all comes from me. So how can I help you guide you through this pain, like through this, this vulnerability, like how, like what can I do for you in this space? So it's just a really interesting um, switch in, in how to approach uh, the like challenging conversations with your kids. Whereas before it would just be like F you and no, you're wrong. I'm wrong. You're right. You're right. Ah, you know what I mean? And it's, it's a much, um, it's awesome. Like I'm, you know, it's, it's about the best way I can put it. That's beautiful. And now we're really getting in to the, to the depths of what it means to do this work and be a parent. That is such a beautiful share, Roger, because you're really showing how you've taken ownership and responsibility for something that you've seen in your child that is you. And instead of just brushing it off, you're now actively trying to help him or her with whatever program you're seeing and you're recognizing oh wow that's me yeah let me let me work on healing this and then i think a lot of people parents may just avoid that or not even be aware of it and the fact that you're able to now recognize the program in your children it's amazing 
and uh, you've got you've got lucky children. Uh, but that perfectly segues in, uh, segue into the next topic that I wanted to talk about is what is it like for you all to go through this work now versus how you parented before? Because clearly, Roger, for you, this has allowed you, and maybe we can start with Roger. Let's stay on this topic of this defensiveness. Now, what relationship did that create with your child where they were able to be heard or express themselves or just vent or whatever it is? Did What dynamic has that changed between you and them? Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... I mean, he's, he's 18 years old, you know? Um, so he's a young man. He's a young adult. Uh, it's, you know, the, the topic, the topic that we got into was, uh, sex in the home. Right. Whereas as he's growing up, like, you, you know, we had a very open, honest conversation and dialogue about that topic as he grew up. Um, and so, moving through that, you know, getting to a point with him where I let go of this notion of there is no sex in the home or the parent like honored, like that's like respect the home, respect this, respect that. Uh, very, very uh, rigid in that approach. Um, and through this process, like it was a huge growing process for me as well. It's just like, you know what? If, if you want to have sex in the home, that's fine. However, to William's point, like these are the parameters of how this takes place. You want to be treated like an adult. Fantastic. You want to have sex in the home. Okay. But you will now pay rent. You know, there is, there is an adult like responsibility that comes with the responsibility of what you're asking or what we're, we're talking about right now. It's not a punishment. You know, and that's a fine line too, as a, as a parent, like going through this, this stuff is like, you know, and, and when you start asking yourself those questions around, you know, as you move through this work, like, is this a punishment? Is this controlling? Okay. Now we're becoming much more aware of how we're communicating, right? Like, and, and how we want to move through this. And at some point in time, like we're all human. We're all like, you know, we're going to get pissed off. We're going to get out of balance. And being able to like take ourselves back to center, you know, in those moments is is crucial. But um, but yeah, it was it was just this interesting letting go of of a paradigm and a, and a shift in how um, I showed up as a dad. Very very rigid, very forceful, um, and like navigating that whole piece of 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 this topic. And when we brought it to his attention, that's where the defensiveness came up. That's where the anger came up. And seeing all those programs that I had passed down to him, it's like, holy shit, man. Like I can now actually like walk him through and Adrian can walk him through like this navigation of, of awareness, you know, there, and having, you know, having those, those consequences. Like if you want to do this, great. Okay. But here is like the path to do that. This is what's going to come with that adult behavior. Um, it, it to me it yeah. sounds more like a responsibility. Yeah, it's it's a way of responsibility. It's shifting from this notion of that's a great great point, Greg. Like shifting from this notion of Overwatch, right? Like I've got to like 
care and do all these things, make sure they have food and clothes and all these like very basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs met to a more elevated spiritual, you know, loving divine responsibility, you know, patience. Like he's now seeing patience in me, right? Like how great is that? Like, you know, to dads and, you know, even Danny and your relationship, William with you and your daughters, Greg, and you're just like, when you show up and embody the ways, like embody, like they see, that's the teaching. You don't have to like talk. You just show up in these ways and your kids feel that energy and they're like, huh, that's powerful. I like where you went there, Roger. Absolutely. It is the um, sitting with them in that moment, not dismissing, because I believe when I started parenting, I was more um, coming from a demeaning, dismissive type of parenting model. Um, but sitting with them, you gain so much trust and understanding and connection with your children. They will open up to you. They'll be more responsible because you've given them more responsibility, right? You've shown more trust and they will be more responsible. They'll be more willing to share with you. I hear the fact that my son can tell me that, you know, he's eight and he can come to me and say, I'm scared right now because that's nothing I would have been able to go up to my parents. I wouldn't have felt comfortable because it would have been, you know, get out, get out of here with that. <laughs> go, go deal with it. Um, but he can come up and say he's scared and I get down and speak with him and hold him, ask him what he needs. And because that's what, <laughs> I mean, first it's what I would have wanted. Right. But I can tell that that's what he needs too. That's what he needs right now. And coming from that, you're going to get much more responsive children. You're going to get that trust. You're going to get teenagers that talk to you, right? Roger's teenager talks to him. Look at that, dude, he did it. <laughs> so all that comes along with this process. Um, and when you find it, you can still work on it. So I don't want to say that because I started when uh, my son was five, or I'm currently working with, you know, a three-year-old. You can still start this at what with your teenager. It's it's just getting used to it. There'll they'll be that those moments of discomfort and that newness of being vulnerable. Or, but you'll get the reward of seeing that connection when you see them show up, or they see you show up, and you and you feel that, and you feel that energy in that moment. Thanks for bringing that up, Roger. Greg, I'm going to invite you next to, I'd love you to share your experience before this work um, and now as a, as a mystical life coach, but also mystical parent. Um, thank you for that opportunity. Yeah, for me, it was a big point about coming to this, uh, this program because I would see, uh, I would see my child like catching up on my patterns and I would be like horrified, like, no, 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 don't go there, dude, back up, you know, like, stop. <laughs> and, and, and owning it like fully, like, oh, fuck, this is like little me when I freak out. And uh, so, so yeah, it's, first of all, the, the big change is the clarity you get through that work because by going healing your own wounds and your own inner child you get so deep within the pain of the child and the consciousness of a child like so innocent so connected 
and how over and over again this uh, very beautiful and divine uh, place of being that actually the child is reminding us of. And in that moment, we are so blinded that we want to impose all those things that most of the time are not working, dysfunctional and useless. And so the work by going there, you get that very deep clarity about how you've been, how the programs work, how they completely um, distort your perception. And so the more you work on them, the more clarity, you know, veil after veil, you get more and more clarity about, oh, this is a program. This is, this is coming from a wound and I don't want to, to, um, act from there to, to project my wounds to that little being or to anyone else, you know? And, uh, so, so patience is important and there is also this place of validating and openness. So instead of contracting and getting into those, like, you have to do, as I say, you have to be what I think is right, which is, is conditioning and most of the time bullshit, you know? And um, there is this openness of like, let me discover and learn from your own connection and own innocence and because this is beautiful. And can I be so much in the present moment that I can connect to that, you know? and make room for that to bloom. So this is a big shift is, um, yeah, owning your shit instead of projecting them to others, going through the work, you get this awesome like clarity about how those programs work, how you've been uh, dumped so many dysfunctional program on you and how difficult it is to get out of them. And, uh, so you're, you're getting uh, experiment, experimental knowledge about how to deal with the, the child because you're doing it on your inner child. So it changed everything, actually. Mm, before this podcast, Greg, you mentioned about um, the learning aspect um, and the, uh, the, the safe container that you create. Um, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It sounds like, you know, with your child, you get to learn more about your inner child and vice versa. Yeah, of course. And you're also reminded about this, you know, natural ability to be so present, to just be, uh, to, to, to feel without filters yet. You're not so deeply programmed yet. And so are you starting to see your own programs acting out in your kid? So yeah, there is this place of allowing ourselves to, to be totally uh, truthful about the fact that we don't know what, what's best for this child. We don't know. So there is a lot of, um, 
open like possibilities and opportunities and we're not the one to choose from and we're not the one to know what will be best so there is really this sense of being reminded by the kid when necessary that oh i should be more open more patient more in the present because i'm already thinking about what i need to do what i'm really stuck in my mind right now and and if i drop into my art where my child is always like most of the time you know i can meet him where he's at and i can learn as much as as I can teach him something like by by being an example, like I don't want to uh, teach him concepts or but I, what I want to teach him is that that you're you're being seen, you're being heard. Whatever comes up to you, it's okay. You know, we'll deal with it. Maybe. I, I will be a bit goofy about it and you too, but it's all okay. We'll, we'll manage, you know, and there is this beautiful space for a beautiful relationship to grow and to learn from each other. Yeah, that's beautiful. And something else you mentioned earlier was you said, um, you know, we know, we think we know how it should be. And this is one thing that I've really learned in this work with, with Rachel is understanding that my inner child doesn't see the world in the way that I do. And while we think we know how they should be showing up or how they should be, we don't until we really understand how the inner child is feeling and, and, and what they're going through, then there's, there's no way for us to project our like adult version of reality. And it, it brings me to the whole, like the whole idea of, you know, oh, you shouldn't be feeling this way. You shouldn't be hurt because adults don't get hurt by that. Well, yeah, this is a just a kid that we're dealing with right now. He doesn't understand that, you know, a parent leaving just for a few seconds when he's three year old isn't abandonment, but he may internalize that as abandonment and that we really think we know how it should be, but we don't. And we have to really understand the, the view from the child. Yeah, that's powerful. Thanks, Danny. Yeah, thank you, Danny. And and something just keeps, I'm getting prompted, like, you know, and this is one thing that, that uh, I listen to now is these promptings. And this might be a topic for another panel. Um, but I feel like a lot of, a lot of couples, parents um, experiencing like separation or divorce. And I feel like there's a few of us in here that, that have walked those shoes. Um, so I'd be curious, you know, me included from a separation perspective, like navigating the parenting dynamic, navigating an enlightened or elevated parenting dynamic within the space of a separation or divorce. And I feel like there's a lot of parents out there, a lot of people that are hurting, that are struggling immensely with this topic or with this, this uh, life event. So um curious like if we want to dive into it you know on another episode but you know it just kind of prompted them so i'm throwing it out there and, and seeing what sticks yeah not uh i don't feel like i want to dive directly into that but 
generally <laughs> generally speaking because that's a big topic but generally it's speaking, a big topic yeah yeah generally speaking um whenever we're dealing with a challenge and we feel like we want to protect our children from that challenge by not communicating with them we're still hurting them they're still picking up on our on our wounding and by not labeling what is really going on and how we're really feeling we're opening the doorway for them to create their own patterns and interpret what their the feedback that they're getting from us in their own way and from my opinion that just opens a doorway for a whole slew of potential um, programs to be created within within the child and their own psyche thinking maybe there's something wrong with them like why is why is dad um, not present with me why is he upset is it me is it something that I did instead of saying you know like this is I'm, I'm going through something maybe it doesn't have to be labeled specifically um, what that something is but letting that child know that it's not them that there is at least something going on yeah they will recognize it they will feel it and um one thing that came up when you were mentioning that is if you're tr if you're suppressing and so you're saying uh daddy's happy when you're clearly not they're gonna learn to start to mask up right they're learning that from you um so yeah, being cognizant of that and sharing with your children, how you're actually feeling because they're picking up on that. They know there's something different. They know you're acting differently and what they're seeing and they're picking up on is that mask that you're wearing in front of them to say, what, what do you think I'm feeling isn't right, but it is. And they know, and you're teaching them to mask up, suppress or repress. Yeah, no, those are, I'd, I'd love to, God, I'd love to unpack this more with, with this group, but like to, to Chad and, and William, I mean, also the notion of competing for love, right? So mom and dad start doing these different things to compete for the child or children's love. Like I want to be number one. We start doing all these extra things that we didn't do before when we were together. Right. So we start competing. Oh, you know what? son, come over here. We're going to go to Disneyland. We're going to do this. Or I start like, like doing the things that are counterintuitive to how I'm built for the sake of competing for my children's love. What does that teach your, teach your kids? Wow. So like, yeah, this is something I definitely would love to, uh, to dive into because I feel like there's a lot of people out here that would, that would really love to hear that, that topic and, and how to navigate it. Yeah. When we're competing, though, also um, in any form, we're coming from inauthenticity and it's not a yep. long game. And right? wounding. So, mm -hmm. Go ahead, Greg. No, no, no. I just wanted to add and wounding, mm -hmm. inauthenticity and wounding. Yeah, exactly. And when we're not authentic and we're wounded, um, it's not it's not sustainable. So like for me, um, my, my children, it's moms and I are, we're not together. And, um, you know, I've taken the road of the long game, being authentic with them, being stable, um, not, not, um, expecting to try to win their love, um, 
you know, within a month or a year or, or whatever, and, and coming at it from my own wounding, but understanding that I'm, um, I'm, it's a long game. Our, our children are going to be in our lives forever. So how can I be that stable presence that is always there? And, um, maybe I'm not buying them all of the toys or taking them to Disneyland, but it's going to be consistent. And I feel like that consistency is very important when parenting. One thing that I do, I have been doing with my um, oldest daughter. Um, um, somebody brought this up earlier was, you know, us trying to label our children or, or know what's best for them and where their path is and where they're going. And I came to a point where I'm like, how, how do I know, you know, what my daughter's path is and, and um, how she's going to choose her life. I'm really here as a mentor to guide her and to help, um, help show her, not even show her, but help her to, to see things from my perspective and, and offer the knowledge that I have for her in her life. So when she goes out, for example, she's hanging out with, with multiple people and they are um, potentially doing drugs and there's going to be kids that are drinking. And um, I can take the path of saying to her, you know, there's none of that and you will be punished and I'm just rigid. That's the way it is. Um, but I recognize that she will do what she wants to do when she's out with herself. And so in, instead, what I choose to do is to have conversations with her about this. You know, you will be in a situation where you are with a group of girls or a group of people or just with a boy that you like. And um, maybe they're going to smoke it, be smoking a joint and you're going to feel pressure and into that situation because you want to impress them potentially. So like, let's think about these things now ahead of time. How do you choose? How do you, how will you want to react when you're in these situations instead of, instead of acting in the moment, but let's, let's um, use some foresight and um, decide ahead of time, how we want to react in certain situations where I feel like you're, you're going to be, you're going to be in these situations and no matter how, I choose to parent and what rules I set, I recognize that, that these are going to come up for you. So let's have conversations about them and let's, let's try to decide together. And if you need support from me and you have questions from me about this kind of stuff, let, let's talk about it. I think that's a really, really important point and so beautifully uh, put there, William. Thanks for adding that. Um, before uh before we wrap this wrap this up because we're we're nearly hitting an hour already guys um greg you said a really awesome comment earlier and um, that i'd love you to just touch on uh, and you said about um how children are connected to the the learning of uh what did you say i've got it written down the learning natural learning the natural connection to their own divinity um their ability to learn through their own connection to their higher self i'd love for you to just explain what you meant by that and um just explain what it is that you've seen in your children in this connection with the divine yeah so there's all those ways of oneness you know and i think like the child arrives with this natural ability 
to be because those actually the work that we learn to do in uh, in masters of self is about like healing our wounds and removing our programs that are um, like sip, like screening us from our own divinity, from our own power, inherent uh, birthright divinity. And so those kids, they reach with that. They reach with, they're fully present. And then we come over and over to try to teach them the notion of time and thinking ahead. And, and, and there is this innocence as well. They, they're just blank. They're just naturally connected to their own divine nat nature because they just, they're just arriving from that space, let's say. So there is this very direct, beautiful connection to the divine. Like uh, even in India, when I was traveling India, the, the, the sadhus there, they would say, like if you were God and that you could travel anybody, of course you'd like to travel a kid's body, you know, to be in a kid's body. <laughs> like they seem to be really connected to the awe and the wonder of the world and the universe. I remember like being a kid and the the smallest thing would be like <gasps> oh my god look at all this candy you know Mind blowing <laughs> just first day of um, toys r us right like you walk into toys r us you're like <gasps> <laughs> that is exactly it you just took me straight back to being in doncaster and going to yeah. toys r us for the first time wow yeah it was the it was it felt like the biggest store in the world and it was like santa's workshop in there but it, it that is exactly it it's it's they're so connected to the to the awe and the wonder and and the joyous parts of life and we i feel like as as humans in this world you know we get all this conditioning and programming as as children and by the time you know we're teenagers it's so heavily ingrained that we feel like we have to be adult and we're moving out of all of the essence of what it really means to be alive and we're focusing on school and a nine to five job and then we're thinking about a house and kids and a mortgage and then uh, i i don't know about you i'd love you to comment on this what was it like um then having kids and then bringing that awe and that wonder back into your life was there a moment where you all kind of was like what have i been doing like i could have been living my life like they are but i'm choosing this path of conditioning and programming um because i know for me i would rather live like the innocent child of awe and wonder than the weighed down stresses and the lack of presence of an adult being in the you know, third dimensional matrix in 21st century. I'd say I'm getting there. <laughs> That's yeah. more like where I'm, where I'm the trajectory of where I'm, I'm heading <laughs> more along that, those lines. But it, it, you know, when we're, when we're living from our wounding, we, we don't have that perspective. Like I was so busy mm -hmm. um, yep. living my life and worrying about about work and and all of the stress that that did weigh me down that really i didn't pay um that much attention to it it was just a part of being a child 
right? So it's just yep. like they, they're, it's funny because they're so connected. Um, and then our life, the way that we, the way that, that the world is and all of the programming, like you say, it's just adding all of these layers of distortion onto the child before they know it, they're an adult and acting from their own wounding like we are. And then here we are doing the healing work and we're actually trying to remove all of this distortion and all of these programs to get back our yeah. divinity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think um, a lot of this starts with giving yourself permission to do some of these things. Like how about uh, as a parent starting to play with Legos again, you yeah. got, you got a reason to go. And Let's go. Permission yeah. to play with Legos yeah. or build a sandcastle. You know, well, it's my kid. I, you know, I got it. You, you know, you give yourself that kind of, <laughs> yeah, but you're loving it. You can step into that at any time. You don't have to suppress that. It's great to have the uh, use your child as an excuse to go do that, but you can step into that and live in that, that joy and wonder. And uh, I think they're a great reminder, right? To have someone invite you to go and jump on a trampoline. You're like, you know what? I am going to go jump on a trampoline right now. That is a fantastic idea. <laughs> like, I'm going to go hurt myself with a backflip. That is a phenomenal idea right now. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it seems like, William, you covered the way of connection there. And we also covered, I think, the way of surrender, the way of patience, the way of responsibility, the way of honoring. All these ways that we've been talking about, and they're from the Universal Ways of Oneness, uh, which is taught by Rachel Fiore. Uh, the link's down below. Uh, this is her new book that she released, and I just wanted to bring it up because we keep mentioning these ways of oneness, and they are the blueprint to an elevated society. They are a blueprint towards us as individuals and as, uh, as the collective of how to achieve a, a more enlightened society, uh, coming from a place of more love and less fear, less wounding, less projection of hate. And, uh, you know, this is exactly what we all stand for. So thank you so much for joining us today, if you're listening. And thank you to all the panelists, the, the wonderful coaches I have before me. Um, this is Masters of Self University podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please share it with somebody share it with another parent share it with your children um share it with whoever you can and like and subscribe uh, and join us next time and we look forward to hearing you from you then thank you bye thanks everyone bye, -bye. thanks gents have a great day